Amen. So we are in a book of Philippians. I know you guys are used to me right now preaching out of the book of Romans, but during this time of sabbatical, while um, Pastor Jamie is out, um, we are all we got a, a four-man team of ministers that's going to be coming before you, and we're we're going to go through the book of Philippians. It's a it's a short four books that we're going to travel through, um, but we're going to go line by line, and well, not actually line by line, but we're going to go through the book of Philippians from beginning to end. And I just pray that you are blessed from it. Last week, um, Pastor Sam Morgan came up and he did a phenomenal job. And he preached Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, verses 1 through 11. And that was the opening of Philippians and the greetings. And I'm going to continue at verse 12. And, um, it's one key theme that travels through the book of Philippians, and that is when Paul says, to me, to live is Christ. So what does that term, to live, is Christ mean? Well, two points within that context I want to talk about today is having the same interests as Christ. And having the same feelings as Christ. And I want you to ask yourself these questions. How does having the interests of Christ at heart affect how I view my circumstances? And how does having the feelings of Christ affect how I view and treat my circumstances? This is one key thing within the Philippian book that Paul loudly is preaching to the believers in Christ Jesus. And that is that Christ is life. So let's look at verses 12 through 18 today within the structure of that, that questioning, those questions right there that we just asked ourselves. So... It begins Philippians 1, 12 through 18 saying, but I would ye should understand. I'm coming from the King James Version. If you guys got your Bibles and you want to pull those out um, or you can look behind me. It's right here on the screen. But I would ye should understand, brethren. So after greeting the brethren at Philippi, Paul quickly gets right into something that it's clearly been on his mind. And I believe that is that he wants to clear up some misunderstandings concerning his circumstances in his current situation. And he goes on and he continues to say that the things which happened to me, okay, so these things which happened to him, he's talking about, you know, some other versions say, uh, my circumstances. And you're going to hear me using circumstances. Uh, quite a bit throughout the sermon but he's talking about the things which happened to him he's talking about his circumstances you know being imprisoned being afflicted you know restrained with chains shackled he's going through it he's got some serious things that he's going through and we certainly don't know all 
that he experienced at that time, he doesn't, you know, um, go into great detail in terms of what he went through. And I wonder why he didn't do that. Ask yourself that question this morning. Why didn't he go into great detail about what he went went through at the time in this letter? I believe that one of the reasons is that going to the mountaintop and crying out all of your circumstances, all of your issues, my feet hurt, my back hurts. My partner, me and my partner, we got into an argument and we, we broke up. Um, I'm too short. I'm too fat. I'm too ugly. I'm not smart. Right? What is all this beginning to sound like to you? Excuses. Exactly. Sounds like excuses. And Paul wasn't in the business of making excuses. So he left it at these things that happened to me. You know, the devil wants to the, de- the devil wants us to bathe in our issues and our circumstances in hopes that they will overwhelm us and ultimately keep us from doing the will of the Father. I've been going through the hearing of his taunting voice ever since I've accepted my call to preach the gospel of Christ Jesus. He's whispering in my ear all the time. Some of these same things I just talked about. I can get up here and I can say, you know, give you all kind of excuses and reasons as to why, you know, and I want to, believe me, I want to. (laughs) I'm thinking about all all week long while I'm studying and uh, I know I got to get up here and preach, you know what I mean? I'm like, who can I call? You know, let me, let, me, let me call Brother David and see, see if he can step up the bat for me this week because, you know, work was too long for me. You know what I mean? I, I, I just worked too many hours, you know. You know, my feet hurt. You know, my back hurt. You know, I just don't feel up to it. You know what I mean? But what, what is all that? All of that is just straight up excuses. Right? So, yeah. You know, we... we we all have circumstances that surround, that surround us and affect us in various ways, but ask yourself this afternoon, are they all worth mentioning? What would be the benefit of going to the mountaintop and crying out all your business? Who would be the benefactor? Me? You? Or Christ? You know, these kind of questions, if we dare to probe and search the reasons for divulging our issues, divulging all of this sensitive information, could very well put us on a fast track to living. It's not just Paul that to live is Christ. You know, Scripture tells us in John 14, chapter 6, John chapter 14, verse 6, excuse me. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. All right, so right there. 
That's confirming that to live is Christ for all of us. You can't come to the Father. You can't live without Christ. 1 John 5.12 also says, He that hath the Son have life. Right? How, how plain is that? Don't get no plainer than that. He who hath the Son has life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Right? So for all of us to live is Christ. Amen? And I'll leave that right there because I, I could preach a whole sermon on that alone. Um, but he continues to say, The things which have happened to me have fallen out rather than, and let's stop right there, that term falling out. Uh, when, you you got to be careful when reading the King James Version because it's, 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 a, it's not easy English. It's not what we used to hearing, you know. So when you come across a, a term like this, have fallen out, what would you typically think, you know, that something bad happened, you know, they had an argument or something like that. They fell out with each other. Um, but that's not what this term is saying. It's saying have fallen out rather than falling out. That term metaphorically means to come into being. To arise, to come forth, to show itself, to find place or influence, to go, to follow one. Okay, so we put these definitions into what Paul is saying here. These things which have happened to me have come into being, have arised, right, have come forth, have shown themselves to what? Unto the furtherance of the gospel. If there's one thing that we've learned in the last 10 years or so, and you know, some of us a little bit older and we probably, you know, were more in tune to what was going on, um, on this earth. And we learned a long time ago, but that is that circumstances have a pretty high falling out rate. You guys, would you guys agree with that? Pretty, pretty high falling out rate, you know what I mean? When, you, when, when, you, when you, you have circumstances, which we all do, and you have things that happen to you, right? They're going to, they're going to lead to something. Something's going to come out of them. You know, they, they, they're not just going to rest and just linger in one place. No, but because of how you deal with them, because of how they deal with you, because of how you speak on them, just because of their character, they're going to open up to show something. They're going to open up to influence in some way or show itself or come forth or establish something or some things. So the question is, is what do these circumstances tend to fall out to? And how can the believers do differently, not so much as to attempt to dictate how they fall out, right? Because we don't have no control over that. But to as said in Romans 12, verse 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, 
by the mercies of God that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. This is your reasonable, underline that word right there, reasonable. This is your reasonable service. And this word reasonable is not a suggestion. Okay, we might look at that word reasonable as, oh, okay, you know, um, it's reasonable. You know, I'll think about it. Right? It sounds like it, it, it might do the right thing. You know, my conscience is telling me that it might be the right thing. So, you know, I got the, I got the privilege. I got the, you know, the, the right to think about it. Or to make my own decision on it. No. That's not what this is saying here. The word reasonable comes from the Greek word logos. Of speech. A word uttered by a living voice. Right? And as we just learn, life is Christ. So this is a word that's coming from God, a word that's coming from Christ, okay? A living voice, there's that word living again, all right? Let's not overlook that. It embodies a conception or an idea, what someone has said, a word, the sayings of God. This is still the definition. A decree, a mandate, or an order, okay? So it said, this is your reasonable service. So when it said, this is your reasonable service, he's saying, I'm mandating you. I'm ordering you that you present your bodies a living sacrifice acceptable unto God. Not acceptable unto Buddha, not acceptable unto Muhammad, not acceptable unto Jane, not acceptable unto Mac or whoever it is that you look up to, LeBron James or, or whoever, right? You know, this world, this government, not acceptable to them, right? Acceptable unto God, which is only one God. And he has a mind that we can't even fathom, right? So, our only option, our only choice is to get into his word to learn what's acceptable to him. To learn how we ought to behave. It's like a child looks up to his father or his parent and, and he learns how to walk. He learns how to posture himself. He learns how to either love or how to hate. You know, but he learns everything from from taken in through those eyes what he's seeing we have to look to the father we have to look to God in order to learn how to serve him in a reasonable and an acceptable way okay okay this I'm not going to say should but this is the of utmost importance to the believer. The servant of Christ. 
It's of the utmost importance. And let me let you in on a little wisdom, though. I read a quote from a guy named Dean Alford. It says, The great love wherewith he loved us lives and yearns in all who are vitally united to him. And then Jay Baxter follows that up with, Though our consciousness of it is determined by the depth of our consecration to him. Let that sink in for a minute. Okay. Our love, the great love wherewith he loved us is determined in our consciousness depending on the depth of the consecration to him. There's a saying that most of us are familiar with. It says that you can lead a horse to water, but you you can't make it drink. How many heard that before? Some of you kids probably haven't heard that before. I know the only kids in here is what, what, mines and quiches. But (laughs) you heard it now. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. And somebody might say, I can, I can. And you hold it down and I, I, I pour it down his throat. I force it down his throat, right? No, that, that, that wouldn't be making him drink. That would be murder. <laughs> that, that, that would be killing him, drowning. That would be drowning a horse, all right? So it, it, it's interesting that saying, as I was thinking about it, drinking is a voluntary activity that is designed to facilitate liquid getting into the body to promote health and life, right? It's a voluntary activity if somebody's going to drink something. But when that same life-promoting substance is forced into someone, it could lead to death. You guys see where I'm going with this right now? This is what is meant by the depth of our consecration to Christ. Look, I can preach to you, pastor can preach to you, Pastor Rick, David, Sam, we all can preach to you every Sunday about, but how how determines are you to live for Christ yourself? How determined are you to drink once you led to that water. Now when Paul said this to, to, to me to live as Christ, when he said this, it was a radical statement. Some people may think of that word radical as, you know, going out and, and putting on a crazy uniform or not even wearing any clothes at all, or just going out there and just shouting, you know, the name of Jesus. No, that's not what radical means. Okay, But it was a radical statement that he was claiming. He wasn't, it wasn't meant to be quiet. And let me tell you why. Radical is defined as relating to or affecting the fundamental nature of something. Far-reaching or thorough. 
some similar words to radical is complete, total, entire, absolute, comprehensive, exhaustive, again, far-reaching, wide-ranging, extensive, profound, drastic, severe, serious, major, desperate, violent, forceful, rigorous, okay? Advocating or based on through the complete political or social change, representing or supporting an extreme or progressive section of political party, okay? So when he's saying to live as Christ, what is he saying? This is saying that he's had a complete change of nature. All right? And he's not just saying it, like I said, quietly, but he's saying it with the intention and encouraging you and I and everybody who puts their eyes to those words to understand that once you become a part of Christ, there's a radicalness that's expected of you and I. There's a complete change that's expected of you and I, okay? We're not to walk around and, and, and behave as the same humans as we did previously. We're not to continue to make excuses for why we can't do something or why we can't do the will of God, more importantly. Because God didn't create us to fear. He didn't create us to, 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 to be scared to go out and proclaim the gospel. He didn't, he didn't create us to, to, to trust and to lean on our own understanding and that old understanding. But he created us and designed us to lean on him and his knowledge and his wisdom and his all-knowing. And like we saying this morning, he's a protector. He's a provider. This is what we were created for, is to serve him and to lean on him. And he's been trying to show it to us forever. I like to go back to the children of Israel because they just like the perfect example, you know what I mean? But over and over and over and over again, he rescued them. You know, in the wilderness, he rescued them over and over again. You know, so many miracles he performed and showing them that, look, I'm always there for you. No matter what the situation, no matter how big it seems, no matter how insurmountable it seems, I'm capable. When nobody else is capable, I'm capable. And when you think you're going to die, guess what? Here I am to provide you life. You guys get that? Amen. So he says, so that my bonds in Christ. Let's go back. He said, they have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel 
so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word. God designed us this way, you guys. He designed us so that we are connected to each other. Pastor Jamie preaches this all the time. We're connected. And we need each other. I need you, you need me. That's a Kirk Franklin song. Remember, we are one body in Christ. That means that we can draw from other parts of the body. You guys understand that? That what can we draw from other parts of the body? So we can draw strength from prayer. We got a prayer line that we all can use. And we got prayers going back and forth all the time within this ministry. Many of us wouldn't even be here right now if it wasn't for the prayers of the saints. Right? We can draw that from each other. We do draw it from each other. We can draw hope. We can draw courage from each other. We can draw boldness. We can draw confidence in speaking the word. And this is what Paul is saying right here. He says, my bonds in Christ have manifest in all the palace. That means in all the palace and in all other places. Manifest means that it has gone out to all these places, to all over the palace and in all other places. You know, that, that, that's kind of like infinite. It's like we don't know how far that is, right? But, but his bonds, right? How far you think his, um, his crying out on the mountaintop about his circumstances, you know, just, you know, for his purposes, how far that would have went? That probably wouldn't went too far, right? But his bonds in Christ, guess what? They went out to all other places. All right, that means... They became known. What you do for Christ is going to become known, you guys. Okay? So as we draw from each other, we, we ought to begin to not just understand and know that we can draw, but we ought to start drawing from each other intentionally. Okay? This is why we were created. This is why we just designed. Right? All these other purposes and stuff that we put in our hope in, we put in our minds in and stuff like that, all of that stuff is not eternal. And all of that stuff can't, can't go as far as we can throw it. Right? But what we do for Christ will last. What we do for Christ is eternal. What we do for Christ is important. The rest of it is not important. And this is like one of the hardest things for us to get and to grab a hold of and to accept because it's scary. It's downright frightening to think about giving up the things that we've become accustomed to doing and to loving and to having so much fun with and to leaning on and to putting our hope in, right? And just being just straight up used to. 
right? It's frightening to give up those things. But guess what? This is what we were called to do, right? And you're not going to be able to move forward and take that next step in life. You can continue to live in death. You know what I mean? You can just walk like a zombie all you want to all around, you know, all your life. For 70 years, 75, 82 years, however long you're going to live, right? You can walk around in death all you want to, right? But if you want to live in life, okay, you're going to have to learn how to live for Christ. You're going to have to learn how to have his feelings, how to have his desires, Okay, and our, our desires and our feelings, they clearly don't line up with his. Right, and it, it's a scary thing because you, you get to equating, you know, how am I going to make money? You know, how am I going to survive? How am I going to look? Right, how am I going to stay healthy? Doing the things for Christ, you know what I mean, and well, well that that all that is is having that that false definition of what radical means, right? Because if we understand and really have a a, a a promising definition of what radical means, we'll start living in that radicalness and we'll have that complete change. Well, we can't experience it and we can't know what that complete change is going to do for us until we get into it. It's another saying, you got to be in it to win it, right? If you're not in Christ, how are you going to know how much he can love you? If you don't trust it and you don't lean on Christ, how are you going to know how he can save you, how he can bring you out? Again, I could tell you, and you could witness, and you could see all the testimonies, and you could see run, people running across. I mean, you you don't really know, you know, what they're doing or why they're doing it, or what their agenda is. And we're gonna continue as we go through these verses. We're gonna see that some of those agendas, you know, from the people, the quote unquote brethren in Christ, is off, right? And now we're getting a wrong perception of Christ's agenda and how he moves and how he operates. Right? Paul is sitting here in shackles. He's sitting here in jail, in prison. He's sitting here in bonds. Right? And he's not telling people that Christ is going to deliver me from these shackles. He's not telling me that Christ is going to deliver me from this pain and this hurt. He's not telling people to pray for him to get out of those situations. Guess what he's doing? He's rejoicing in that. He's rejoicing in the, the fact that he's in bonds to Christ. You see what I'm saying? What we see is we see the physical bonds. We see these human ideas of what bonds is. And, and, and what he's talking about is being spiritually bonded, you know, spiritual bonds in Christ. Two different things. 
They give you two different results. Okay? So let me move on because I can, I, I can keep going on with that forever. But um, we can draw from each other. And he says, next, without fear. For many of the brother in the Lord waxing confident in my bonds and are much more bold to speak the word without fear. All this from the witness of one willing to be bonded to Christ, putting self to death to live in Christ. He continues to say, some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. So Paul wants us to know that envy, strife, jealousy, quarreling, backstabbing, off agendas, etc. Are they're going to be natural occurrences when you make a decision to bond to Christ on a radical level. Okay? Let me say it again. Envy, strife, jealousy, quarreling, backstabbing, off agendas, whatever you can think about. All this evil stuff that's happening out here, guess what? It's going to be that and a lot more. Okay? But that's part of it. That's part of being bonded to Christ. And guess what? I'll let you in on another secret. It's not personal. Okay? Don't take it personal when you're going through. And don't start pointing the finger and blaming God because you're going through. Guess what? Because it's all about him. We go through our pains. We go through our trials and tribulations. We go through whatever we go through to the glory of God. That's what it means to live in Christ. Okay? So he wants us to know that. And then he says, what then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense and Strong's definition, it, 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 it defines pretense as cloak or color or show. Okay, and that's what I was talking about before. Whether you got people preaching the gospel to put on a show, right? A lot of times, a lot of people will come into a church and they'll leave and they say, I'm never going back to church. Why? Because they were just putting on the show. It was just a lot of color. Right? How many of us did that before? Or maybe thought that. Or maybe heard it from somebody. Right? That's, that's one unfortunate truth or happening that happens within the church. But guess what? I got some hope for you today. 
I got some good news for you today. He says, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, guess what? Christ is preached. I remember earlier I mentioned that we can't dictate how our circumstances fall out. Nor are we worry ourselves about the things in which we have no control over. Keep your eyes on Christ as he keeps his eyes on everything else. For he is in control of it all. And his gospel is impervious. What's that word impervious means? Unpenetrable. Okay? Whether it's cloaked up, whether it's colorful, whether it's, it, it, it's got an agenda to it, you know, that is supposedly, you know, happening to make you look bad, guess what? The gospel is preached. Why they meant it for our bad, guess what? He meant it for our good. All right? And we got to believe that. We got to have faith in that. We got to have all hope in that. Okay, that what God has us going through, our purpose in life, our reasons for things happening, it's all to the glory of God. It's all for his good. Don't take it personal. Okay? It's unable, his gospel, his impervious gospel is unable to be affected by the negligence of men and the plots of the enemy. Amen? That's all I have for you today.